Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella, Mumbrella Cast. Cast. Welcome to a television-focused edition of the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Tim Burrows. And I'm Hannah Blackiston. Joining us to break down the week in media and marketing is Mumbrella News Editor Paul Woolbank. Hello. And this week's special guest, MCN CEO Mark Frame. Hello. This week's topics... How the ABC won the election ratings. Game of Thrones record smashing finale. Seven issues a profit warning. And the voice returns for nine. So let's get to this week's guest, Mark Frayne, or Frayney, as pretty much everybody in the industry knows him. Uh, Mark took the helm of MCN last year after the uh, departure of Anthony Fitzgerald. MCN being the sales arm of the uh, the Foxtel and the Fox Sports channels, among others. Uh, now, Mark, you've been with, with MCN pretty much since the beginning, I think since 2003. Um, you've obviously seen a lot of changes and a lot of challenges. And I, you know, I, I, I wrote about it when you stepped up, but just it felt like you, you had so much on your plate when it sort of came along because you had the changes going on with almost three parts the change is going on with uh 10 going their own separate way so you sort of uh we're having to see staff go because of that you've got the changes of changes to the the model of subscription television and the challenges to that business model of streaming and they've just got the general challenges that seems to be a bit of a soft market at the moment um i'm for most of the time umbrella's been going on you've been leading a team which always seems to win it must be a completely different challenge when you're facing headwinds. How how has the year been? How have you coped with that that different world? Yeah, I think you summed it up um, beautifully. I mean, it has been a kind of tumultuous kind of 12 months. And from my perspective, went in there with my eyes wide open on what some of the challenges were. Like any new opportunities, there's things you don't foresee and certainly a rapid declining advertising market to the extent that we've seen um, wasn't one of those that was on the horizon from my perspective. Um, you mentioned the the 10 exit, clearly a corporate decision from from CBS. And you can kind of, kind of go two ways with that. You can look at the business and go, yes, we need to be kind of smaller. Um, we need to be kind of more efficient. Or you can go, we need to be that, but we also need to look at where the market's kind of going and where do we need to evolve to. So from my perspective, yes, a lot on, but it was the right time to look at our business in the eyes of our customers, which are kind of growing and varied, i.e. agencies, kind of clients direct, um, strategic agencies. The the list kind of goes on in terms of, I suppose, the opportunities to interact with kind of clients. So took it on as a an opportunity to reinvigorate the MCM business and how we went to market. And kind of, I think in this industry, you, you make your own luck and you make your own kind of timing. And I think fortunately, at the time, that that decision was made from a CBS perspective, Foxtel was starting to reinvigorate your business, uh, their business, sorry. And you you talked earlier about the the changes to pay television businesses globally from linear broadcast to more streaming-based services. And kind of Foxtel was starting that kind of journey. So from my perspective, it was an opportunity to embrace that journey that Foxtel was on and look to reflect the MCN operating model to benefit from what they were doing. And how has it uh, affected you as a leader, just sort of 
providing some direction through all of those ch- challenges because it it must have been a really tough year yeah I mean, it wasn't um without its uh, energy sapping kind of days and nights and i, I kind of remember um day one like it was yesterday and it, i think it was day one i think it was day three that i took the call from paul anderson and post that call First thing I did was to grab the exec team and the management team and inform them. And the next thing I Paul did... Paul Anderson being the CEO of 10. Yeah, correct. Um, was to inform them and then secondly inform the entire business of of the decision. And coincidentally, uh, in hindsight, I think this was a, was a blessing that we also had ad week uh, that week. And at 10.30 that day, I was on a panel with... Uh, Rod Prosser, Kurt Burnett, and Michael Stevenson to talk about the future of television. These are the sales bosses of seven, nine, and ten. Yeah, uh, and that gave uh, myself and the MCM business to get on the front foot in terms of comms to the market, and again, comms to our own people. And that's kind of the philosophy that I've led um, right from the start: is that the people communication was vital to get through what was going to be a tumultuous period um, for the business. And in kind of change, one thing you need is good communication. No one likes kind of surprises. Um, and if the team are informed on the journey and the timelines we're on, whether they remain or whether they exit the business, there's a, there's a level of kind of calmness that, that can provide. And um, I remember again at the time when I sort of asked media agency bosses what they made of, uh, of 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 your appointment, of the you know the changes going on at ten at the same time. I sort of asked someone you know the challenges of your job, and someone described it to me, and I won't say who it was, but uh, you might just from the phrasing be able to work out. One one media agency CEO said it's a prick of a job. Um, do you do you recognise that sort of point of view? Would you would would you agree with the media agency sentiment that that your job is as challenging as that? Uh, whether I describe it as a prick of a job, uh, I'd probably go. It was it was a privilege of a job to number one take the helm of the MCM business, having been part of it for over ten years, and secondly, the level of um, work, uh, which could be in brackets, the, the prick part of it, um, was actually really enjoyable and energizing. Don't get me wrong. There was kind of plenty of sleepless kind of nights as you're working through multitude of decisions. And that's probably one thing that I look back on. I've never made or been forced to make as many decisions in such a short period of time. Um, hopefully, uh, myself and the team got most of them right. And the ones we haven't caught got quite right we're kind of addressing and evolving now well let's talk about your team um talk us through your structure now and who, who you see as your key executives yes obviously uh, most recently we announced the hiring of david roddick as chief sales officer um ex ad shell and ex kind of uh news in the uk and other digital businesses and i think that's it's a, a good a, a good and a very recent example of bringing in some diverse experience to the MCN business. Um, MCN from its inception has been a TV led business and therefore the, the depth, um, level of TV talent, um, is, is well known and well respected in the market. So from my perspective, it's been about evolving that talent, um, and not necessarily involving in, um, different media types, just evolve, uh, in terms of kind of thinking. 
and then I guess you also sort of structure yourself with with representation in each of the states as well. Yeah, correct. So we've managed to um, maintain some consistency um, in those markets. And secondly, I think the opportunity that those changes provided myself and MCM was many of those um, execs that have been to IC or kind of just waiting for that next step um, we're able to provide that for them. And I think that's it's a really healthy evolution for any business that those that have been waiting in the wings get their opportunity to step up on a platform and put forward new thinking, new ideas. And I think we've been the beneficiary of that. There was also an announcement a couple of weeks ago about um, Foxtel and Oxford, which was kind of pitched as um, a new take on the upfront model. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and also why MCN felt the upfront model needed a shake-up? Yeah, sure. I mean, interesting enough, I've just come from Foxtel and Oxford uh, just now to our opening um, all-staff address. It goes back to what I was saying before about the people of MCN first before the rest of the market. And for uh, non-Sydney-siders, that's Oxford Street in Sydney. Oxford Street in Paddington, correct. And the reason why I uh, – and it's – part of the way we restructured MCN to make sure we engaged differently in the market was that we felt that if you look at the decisions that clients have got to make, um, number one, they're accessing more information themselves, more often, uh, more real-time data coming back to them in terms of what's working. And therefore, um, we felt as a business that we owed it to our clients and partners to communicate more often to them in terms of the changes to our business and critically going back to the point I mentioned on the data insights they've got in their own businesses how does MCN mirror that and provide them a much more um, direct real-time access to our data through the Foxtel platform whether that be viewers whether that be return on investment so it was about how do we have more continuous conversations with those kind of clients which just gives greater control and power for them to make better and faster decisions so you've taken over an old cinema space is that correct that is correct and so yeah well nobody's seen the inside of it yet talk us through what is actually have you seen you've been inside it presumably yeah i I, will share some some pictures in kind of due course but i mean Today, um, being in Foxtel and Oxford for the first time, it was literally six weeks ago that I kind of gave the green light to um, the MCN uh, comms team led by Sarah Tucker um, and the Alfred team um, who really generated the original idea to start work. Alfred's the sort of design agency. Correct, yeah. And when you... When you see the original pictures to what I presented in today, it is it is incomprehensible in terms of the pictures don't clearly uh, show and highlight the smell of the venue and the, the odor. I mean, it's a ten, ten years of unused kind of cinema and old kind of carpets and old kind of wall. You could you could picture and probably smell the scene. Do you know what? I see? I used to <laughs> I used to actually live on Burke Street around the corner, so I remember it just before it closed, and I think it smelled like it then as well. <laughs> Well, it's a lot better now, let me tell you, with um, new carpets, new liquor paint and new lighting and new 4K equipment. But what's fascinating, even even last night, um, we've re-rendered the entire front look of it. So it looks like a premium venue from the outside. And we're in there um, yesterday with the MCN management team just talking about 
how do we how do we utilize this venue in many different value adding ways and there's members of the public and maybe to, to you like yourself tim that were stopping put almost pushing the door is, is this reopened and and you can i think that for me outside of the advertiser benefit and the agency kind of benefit um shows the real intrigue of kind of what we've done. That's before you get through the doors. And is it something you'll sort of lend to media agencies if they want to host a client event themselves and that sort of thing? Yeah, 100%. I think the the opportunity for us to sit down with agencies and win advertise and go, how do you want to how do you want to use this? I mean, how do how do we collectively use it to educate, inform, um, excite and entertain our clients about Foxtel? And then um, to your point by default let those um, agencies and clients immerse themselves in that space for their own use, whether that's creative thinking, whether that be a dealership conference. I mean, there's so many uses for that space uh, in a really premium um, central setting. And how big is the investment in it? Well, that's the, um, I'm going to go into the detail, but that's the, the amazing thing about, um, I think, a traditional upfront, whether that be a TV or whether that be a, um, a digital kind of upfront. I mean, and you know the cost of events, they can go from half a million to three million. And we've been able to secure this space for over 12 months for um, not a lot, uh, is all I'll say. So it, we are, I would say, to somewhat, we're in front. Um, we're in front. And the level of frequency and impact of the use, um, every use is only going to make it more and more cost efficient. So, Mark, you mentioned uh, before about listening to clients. Um, one of the things that's been popping up quite a bit recently with uh, Foxtel, particularly um, with Sky After Dark, is the reputational issues that are around those programs. What are you hearing from the market about that? And is there a pushback against um, advertising on these programs? I think we've got to be, as an industry, I think everyone is more mindful of brand safety. Um, I think... Um, TV as well as the digital landscape has got to be attuned to have the measures and policies in place to manage that. And I think from, from our perspective is that there's, there's content that is appealing. Um, there's content that drives audience and there's certainly local content to integrate brands down to the MCN team to make sure that we provide, um, as per the client's brief, what's right for them. And we embrace what they don't want to be part of. Um, I think that's our own kind of due diligence has got to step up there. I wonder whether, and this is one I, I normally have to sit down and write something before I can actually fully understand what I actually think. And, and the whole issue with Sleeping Giants, which is the sort of campaign on social media, in particular Twitter, and uh, sort of targeting certain shows on, on uh, sort of in the evening slots on Sky News, and then tweeting brands whose ads they see on it. I must admit, regardless of whether I agree or disagree, and in all honesty, probably mostly disagree with the sort of politics of Rowan Dean on insiders or whoever it might, outsiders, whoever it might be. There's a little bit of me that feels quite uncomfortable with the idea that a relatively small campaign group, you know, you know, just, just, just in just a few tweets can kind of potentially scare off clients. And it feels like a, genuine communications challenge and how do you guide a client through that and you know still 
still have commercial support for, you know, a, a particular show for a particular audience. How do you, how do you think about that challenge of that relatively small but organized group and, 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 and how you talk to clients about whether they've got a bigger voice than they, they, they might actually really have? Yeah, such a great question. I think from, from our perspective and Sky News alike and the broader News Corp group, increasingly kind of frustrating that um, based on those handful of people, they do seem to kind of charge a, an alarming kind of sense of awareness and comms direct to clients. And from a from an MCM perspective working through that, it certainly highlighted that probably across many clients that their own level of kind of social policy and social management needs some work. Um, I think you, you look at a lot of businesses and there is a, a team in the corner that are response, uh, responsible for social activity and quite often they're not linked to the C-suite kind of level. And that's not just from a marketing perspective, that's from a CEO perspective as well. And therefore, uh, quite often when um, based on the sleep and chance activity, the social team have removed ads or requested to be removed, the the gap of communication between that social team and the exec team is cavernous. Uh, and once we kind of work through that, um, quite often you see, and we are seeing many of those businesses go, no, we, the reason why we're advertising on Sky News as an example or any other channel, quite frankly, is the audience that that channel is reaching is the audience that we want to kind of speak to. The quiet Australians. The quiet Australians, <laughs> beautifully put. <laughs> Well, just on that, Mark, um, given the success of Game of Thrones, which we'll come come to later in the podcast, um, uh, how do you see working through the different demographics there? Because that, that Sky After Dark demographic is a much, much older one than I, I imagine ideally you'd like to have. Yeah, I think if you look at the way that television or, or media has been kind of bought and sold, it hasn't changed much last kind of 30 or 40 years the the notion of people 25 54 as the the right audience uh, often gets described as the most valuable audience that's kind of changed um and i think you i think any any advertiser every brand will often if they do any segmentation of their business they'll look at the most high value segment and ensure that they look after um and love that customer segment and on that basis you're starting to see that 55 to 65 year old bracket to be the most valuable segment so i would argue there is certainly a reassessment of what the most valuable segment of the population is so whether that be 25 to 60 or 25 to 65 i think the the bracket needs to grow to make sure we're not actually missing out or alienating probably the most valuable part of the population and I suppose to demographics as well, one of the opportunities of addressable TV is to give, give a few more options around talking to, you know, more defined audiences. 100%. Uh, it goes back to uh, some of the earlier things we were talking about, about the benefit of the timing with MCN and Foxtel is Foxtel is investing um, heavily to the point of a great investment that I've ever seen into advertising capability and addressable TV being part of that. And that's not just 
addressable TV in the sense of IP, um, i.e. Foxtel Go, Foxtel Now, and most recently kind of KO Sports. That's looking at also the volume of audience through the set-top box and building addressability um, into that broadcast stream because from an MCM perspective and likewise for um, other TV businesses locally and globally, that still remains where the lion's share of revenue um, is spent and transacted. So if MCN can bring addressability to that size of audience, i.e. we're currently a national signal, uh, there's many advertisers that will embrace that that we currently don't carry. And where do you think you're at in comparison perhaps to, to your, your competitor set when it comes to addressable TV? Because I, I almost got the impression that some investment had gone on before you took the helm and it almost feels like you sort of put that to one side and started again. Yeah, I think I think MCN probably had a, a head start in the data space, certainly with MultiView, um, which is our um, 200,000 home panel providing insights to um, our audience. I'm kind of questioning you look at what kind of Nine has done in particular, um, really invested heavily in its BVOD platform um, and its uh, logging data. And many kind of questioned, was that the way to go? I think they've successfully proved that they've built a data product on the back of that. The benefit now for MCN, I suppose, seeing the acceptance of that is knowing that we're a subscription-based model across all devices and we're now harnessing the power of that data across set-top box and IP. So I don't think it's necessarily a case of kind of who's ahead. I think it's just based on the value that we're providing to our customers. So we've got a bit of work to do, um, but with a, a reinvigorated and highly invested team at Foxtel from a data perspective, um, we've got uh, an amazing opportunity to make rapid gains. So what about in the uh, wider look at the business? Um, is there any chance going forward that MCN could be consolidated into News Corp? Obviously, News Corp being a majority shareholder in Foxtel. Is that something you could potentially see on the horizon? Or is it even something that maybe there could be a bit more of a partnership there? You must get that question. Hold yeah. On. <laughs> oh, so that's my favorite question. <laughs> Uh, and one that I'm kind of happily to lead into, I think from a, an MCM perspective, we are now um, 100% powered by Foxtel, for want of a better term. And kind of my role as running that business is to secure and write as much revenue as we can for Foxtel. Um, the better MCN does, the better Foxtel does. And that will get kind of laddered up into a broader News Corp structure. So um, my focus is all around writing revenue for Foxtel. But I think you use the right word, a kind of partnership kind of makes sense. And partnership in the eyes of the client and the customer, it's not going to be right for everyone. And that's why uh, through the News Corp come together um, upfront program, they talked about how MCN and News Corp are trialing integration on various kind of clients. And I think that has a, a real strategic benefit for those clients that are thinking that way, whether that be an idea that's generated on television that can extend through print and into a broader news digital landscape, or likewise, an idea that's generated in print that can come all the way through the television. I think if we uh, enter that partnership, which we are, on a focus with media neutral ideas and media neutral thinking, then all businesses, kind of News Corp, Foxtel, MCN, will share in the commercial success. 
I was just thinking it might actually be a perfect partnership for some brands, especially with the connection between maybe the News Corp and the Sky After Dark. It might be, you know, if you can start delivering towards brands who want to target that that kind of audience, then you're delivering a perfect package for them. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think what, what will... What we discuss and what we kind of see moving forward will be built on very sound strategic thinking. Um, I think um, aggregation, um, integration for the sake of it can actually be detrimental, uh, particularly if it's done at speed. So it's how kind of and conversations uh, with the News Corp team are about doing it smartly, doing it kind of correctly and making sure that the eyes is firmly on the, the customer. I remember somebody once said to me, they were talking at the difference between Foxtel and Fox Sports, and this would have been two or three years back, and they were saying the thing about Fox Sports is you walk in, it feels like a news core culture, you walk into Foxtel and it doesn't. When you walk into MCN, does that feel like a news core culture? That's a, a challenging kind of question, I suppose, given my... Um, experience of the different kind of cultures. I think the MCN culture feels like the MCN culture, which is kind of young, vibrant, kind of energetic and a, a business that wants to kind of push the boundaries. Uh, relating that easily for me, that's replicated in Fox Sports and Foxtel um, in just the, the sense of creating one winning team that wants to push the boundaries to do things differently. And I think MCN and myself, we sit in the fortunate position that if Foxtel and Fox Sports are driving that, then we're the beneficiary. So having taken over the reins a year ago, are you where you'd like to be now, Mark? I think in in many regards, probably ahead of where I thought we'd be in terms of uh, structure, in terms of the personnel we got on board, excuse me, and probably also in terms of the stability that the team's got. Um, to one of Tim point, Tim's points earlier, the thing that's probably been um, most disappointing, if that's the, the phrase, is the advertising market. I think we've, we've come out strongly in 2019 and competed very well versus industry benchmarks, but haven't quite seen the benefit um, of that. Um, the one thing that we're probably not where I'd like to be, and I think that's part of the journey that, um, myself and the team have been on is coming through um, the 10 piece re-establishing a, a new structure it's probably highlighted a few areas now that have evolved even in nine months that I recognize that we need to invest more in moving forward um, and that's probably the area that I go hindsight everyone can have a degree in hindsight probably a couple of areas we should have done more with early but we're going to rectify that moving forward now we just uh, you, you touched on KO a couple of times. The sports streaming product still relatively new. You um you, you right at the start of your career you you studied as a sports journalist. Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, it all went wrong when I kind of worked out how much money you could earn in journalism and media sales looked a lot better alternative. To be Why honest, is everyone nodding? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, talking about um, KO, how how do you think about the the ad component component of KO? Yeah, it's, 
it's got to be, and this is the principle that we are following. If if Foxtel um, and the broader related businesses are uh, focused on delivering a premium entertainment experience for Australians and Australian kind of households, the same must apply to other devices. So from an MCM perspective, it's about firstly recognizing the customer experience that they want to kind of deliver and therefore complementing that with a clean, smart advertising experience. So we need to treat kind of um, KO with that principle in mind. And that means being particularly respectful of live sport, presumably, you know, not making somebody miss the important moments through an ad. Yeah, live sport, um, certainly new ad models that are kind of different, leveraging capability like um, dynamic ad insertion, not to run into a session of media bingo and lingo, but that capability just provides a real seamless experience for the customer. And that's what we've got to be focused on. Well, next, how Game of Thrones smashed the ratings. Don't worry, there will be no spoilers in this next part of the conversation if you happen to be listening and haven't caught up on that final ever episode of Game of Thrones, which went out on Monday, um, which was a record breaker for Foxtel. Uh, Paul, you wrote the uh, the rating story about this one. Yeah, and it really was a great success for Foxtel, by far the highest uh, watch show on Foxtel ever. Um, interestingly enough, um, the previous three shows, I think it was, were also Game of Thrones episodes. And prior to that, it had been a rugby international between Australia and New Zealand, um, I think the semi-final of the um, 2011 World Cup was and the previous one. In terms of the numbers, it's that rare thing of a, 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 a million-plus subscription audience. That's right. Had it been on, had it been up against the free-to-airs, it would have been, national, on a national basis, it probably would have been number four. But Hannah, uh, you're a Game of Thrones fan? <laughs> I am a Game of Thrones fan, and I did watch it on the night, um, but I will <laughs> not throw in any spoilers. Um, yeah, we've kind of been watching it this season really perform incredibly well. I think this season has been the highest rating uh, season of Game of Thrones, and it is that thing that just keeps picking up because of all the chances to watch it, all the ways you can watch it. Um, obviously, the BVOD numbers just keep delivering on it. Franny, have you been watching it as it goes out? I've been stacking it up on your IQ. I've been, I've been stacking it up uh, and catching it um, where I can, depending what the uh, the family will allow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for, from a Fox and MCM perspective, I mean, just a, number one, clearly amazing kind of world class phenomenon in terms of kind of content. But for us, outside of the records that it's kind of broken, it really shows you the journey we need to be on with our advertisers. Um, it, you mentioned the the BVOD and the IP kind of viewing numbers. That's a you, when the final um, reconciliation of numbers come out. I mean, that that million plus number will probably be pushing close to two. And that just shows the consumption on different devices, which whether it be kind of K or whether it be Foxtel now, we're very smart about how we think about that kind of moving forward because it's kind of a, a future model of consumption um, with a brilliant piece of content. And for the for the advertisers, I guess it's more of a sponsorship model than an advertising model as well. Yeah, and I think it also, I mean, Game of Thrones is unique in so many regards, but the opportunity um, for sequential messaging through different content on different devices something that we've got to explore given the varied asset base we've got to play with Hannah in a in a word were you without no spoilers <laughs> were you satisfied with the ending no 
in a word. Okay, we won't go into it because I don't want to do any spoilers. Um, and another thing that I was quite interested about was it, it, not coincidental timing, obviously. Black Mirror, the amazing Netflix sci-fi series, dropped its season trailer, and it kind of points towards that that competition for viewers now. Where do you think Foxtel goes from here when it comes to attracting audiences? Because Game of Thrones was a big tempo. It was a very big tentpole. And actually, so yeah, Netflix dropped Black Mirror um, and HBO themselves, they got in with um, Westworld just before Game of Thrones. So I imagine they're facing... Season three of Westworld. Yes, I believe so. I'm not a watcher. Um, but I imagine they will be facing a similar concern in the US as to what Foxtel might be facing in Australia, which is, do you now face an exodus of people abandoning your platform? But I... um I do think there is obviously plenty of good television out there. We're in a real golden age at the moment. And I think what Netflix and HBO are doing is very correctly pointing people towards their next obsession because that's very much uh, where we sit. But I would be interested to get your take on it, Mark, as to whether I would imagine Foxtel were prepared to lose some people after this. But do you is that is that a major concern for you? I think, yeah. Your initial point around the the depth of content is where it kind of gets to, uh, and Foxtel is um, doing a an excellent job in now kind of pushing what the the next run of kind of content looks like, uh, and it's, it's and it's not just sport. I mean, personally and as a business, we've been renowned for doing sport really well. Uh, and around the corner is the Cricket World Cup, followed by the Rugby World Cup. That's a pretty good backdrop to maintain real kind of health and interest in the in the foxtail kind of product but then you've got the likes of big little lies um uh, from a secondary from a lifestyle perspective picking up uh wendy moore as a new gm to really kind of revitalize uh, the lifestyle brand so i think you're going to see a number of uh local productions that really um I suppose, cement people coming on board the Foxtel platform. So from uh, from our perspective, uh, looking ahead, I'd say we're very kind of confident in the in the depth of the slate, sport and non-sport. And I guess in terms of local commissions, Wentworth mm-hmm. is being pushed right now, for instance. Yeah, hugely kind of successful. Um, Selling Houses is on currently, 11th, 12th um, series, continuing to kind of connect and pull in Foxtel um customers so i think i think we're we're well set uh moving forward there's a lot of plans to uh reinvigorate um some of the kind of channels we've just a lot of work's been done on fox 8 as an example recently and you've seen the viewership of that channel increase on a linear basis so i think there's um there's plenty more opportunity in the foxtel slate moving forward can we see any uh, replacement for your money um probably not i'm probably not the right person to answer that one <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Hannah mentioned uh, Westworld. I remember when the first season came out, it it came a little bit from nowhere in terms of being a hit. What are the challenges for when you get a really big hit? And by the time it's on air, it must almost be too late for you to really monetize that properly when when you you don't see it coming down the track. Yeah, it's an interesting um, interesting challenge and an interesting opportunity. I think with what we've uh, collectively been speaking about, I think. Our opportunity is, and this has been one of the, the benefits of Foxtel, is where does that content go to next? Um, does it go into the on-demand library? Um, does it go onto different devices? And therefore, we provide the customer with 
significantly more opportunities to see it so it continued to build an audience outside of it initial airing and then from an advertiser perspective um, we can then follow that audience and monetize it ourselves well next the voice is back the voice returned to channel nine on sunday night that's a good place to start this week's ratings chat hannah seven years in for the voice i can still remember it felt like week in and week out on mumbrella i was writing about troubled nine uh and then suddenly the voice came along and everything changed in that season one um seven years in how did it fare yeah, so I know that it's very interesting to hear you talk about Troubled Nine now, isn't it? Um, but yeah, so it's, yeah, kicked back in with its eighth season. Um, they were pushing a bit of a revamped kind of, um, layout for the program, um, bringing some people back, Guy Sebastian's on board. But unfortunately, it did come in lower than any other season. So it premiered to 1.012 million Metro viewers, which is not bad. Um, but it has, it's, we've had three nights so far, um, and it has dropped viewers each night. Um, it's still the top entertainment show every night it's on. Um, but it's definitely not hitting Lego Masters figures. It's not touching maths figures. Um, how's and it I, doing in the demographics? <clears throat> it also, yeah, regularly wins the demographics. Um, it's kind of butting heads with MasterChef a little bit. MasterChef, which consistently hits in at that 600,000 Metro viewers. Um, but does quite often take the 16 to 39s. Um, so it's interesting to watch the two of them up against each other. And it's also quite interesting to note, I would say, that when the voice isn't on air, seven takes the night every time. Whereas as soon as one of nine's big shows is on, they get the night. So seven kind of that quiet, consistent performer but maybe not hitting those key advertising demographics as they could be. Well, I suppose the other big ratings night uh, since we, we, we recorded last week's Umbrella Cast Paul, was the uh, was election night. Did you spend the night channel surfing? Uh, yes, I did um, for my sins. Although, uh, like most of Australia, I didn't really uh, tune into uh, Channel Ten, which uh, I think they'd be very, very um, disappointed in the the three percent share they got that night. I, I so, yes, I agree that they would be disappointed. And I personally, I must say, I didn't watch the election because I had my mother staying, who has about <laughs> as much political interest as a newborn child. Um, but ten have got Peter Van Olsen at the moment, who is a very well respected political brain, former um, Sky News, former Sky News contributor, and yet they just can't seem to kind of get him there. Do you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, the, you know, I. I Watch the the election pretty much from six pm onwards, and you know we 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 surf between the channels. But I and it just says so much about if you're not a brand that's in news and current affairs, you 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 vanish from eyesight. We didn't think to go to ten. That's we exactly right. Between the other the, the networks, I can on some level I knew that they were doing it, but it just did not occur at the time. So I didn't watch a minute of what was on 10 just because I didn't think they'd be doing news and current affairs. Mm. No, that's exactly right. It didn't just did not occur to me to uh, flick over to channel 10 and uh, on the night, uh, the ABC really dominated. They doubled uh, nines and uh, uh, really outstripped seven for the evening. And it's interesting as well, because so just before uh, the election, we saw 10 with their new podcasting platform, 10 speaks, they launched uh, the professor and the hack, just uh, PBO again and Hugh Remington. Um, I felt at the time like it was very much them trying to say, hello, like we have an election voice. 
obviously didn't work. Um, but it will be interesting to see if they keep trying. Yeah, because it's about consistency, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, but they have been struggling for a generation with this. This isn't a new problem for 10. I mean, mm. this uh, every few years they seem to try this and then it fizzles out. Um, I, I recently read Mike Carlton's biography and sure enough, uh, he had a stint of doing that, uh, which ended in tears. Mike Willisey back in the day. Um, so, yeah, every decade or so they try to have a crack at it and go nowhere with it. Franny, what did you, how did you spend election night? Oh, it's got a very loyal to the platform and kind of embracing the Sky News coverage. I've always got to be a, a major uh, fan of uh, David Spears and the way he kind of conducts himself uh, on the channel, particularly through the election. And I think from a Sky News perspective, they had a uh, put Game of Thrones to one side for a minute. They had a record breaking time themselves. So, um, yeah, Sky News had a good run. And they, uh, they, they had a couple of good calls ahead of the election as well, where it was only one or two Sky News pundits, I think, were the only ones who called it that it might not go Labour's way. Informed. <laughs> Next, Seven's profit warning. So Seven had a profit warning for the market this week. Uh, Paul, um, the share price didn't really move. You normally expect them to kind of fall away, but I was I was just looking before we came in and, you know, they've actually had a pretty good week. Um, so, which I guess means that it wasn't that much of a surprise to the market. Yeah, I'm guessing this because you look at the SMI figures, which of course are a trailing indicator on this. They're several months behind where the market is. Probably the stock market had probably priced it into what uh, what they were expecting and uh, what the numbers were was um, last financial year it was 235.6 million and they were forecasting that it'd either be flat or slightly up uh, the revised um, um, profits are 210 to 220 million so down about 10 percent which is um, uh, probably a little bit more than what the SMI numbers have fallen they're about four percent year on year but uh, still it seems the market was prepared for it and Franny I won't ask you to commentate on arrival um, I was talking to uh, somebody from another TV network and they they did make the point when they were looking at how seven sort of revenue share seems to have held up compared perhaps to audience share that the market tends to lag so whenever the market is making its spending decisions it's probably a few months behind what's actually going on an audience behavior is that something you recognize yeah I think that's right i think um trading behavior does take a bit of time to um lag kind of performance um i think to the earlier point there's no question that the market has been kind of challenged probably all the way back from October last year. Uh, and certainly some, um, challenging comparisons without kind of com games. And that's for the broader industry I'm talking. But, um, final point on going back to the election, I think, uh, majority government certainty, um, hopefully an uptick in business confidence and those advertisers and brands that have been keeping, uh, the hands in the pockets. Um, hopefully we see that open up and certainly we get a sense of that looking forward that, um, are we going to be into a period of double digit growth? Probably not, but we're certainly moving out from minus 10 and minus five, which is only positive. Are you budgeting for growth of some sort though? I think given, uh, what I've talked about in terms of where MCN is kind of going, um, yeah, growth is on our horizon. Now, Hannah, I, I can't can't finish talking about Seven without talking about Temptation Island. <laughs> and nor should you. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think the future is very interesting for Seven from a TV point of view because not only is Temptation coming, Temptation Island coming back after 15 years off the air, which 
is quite phenomenal. Um, seven so overall, for people so... who don't remember Temptation oh. Island, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe just talk us through. Um, so Temptation Island basically um, is they get a bunch of couples on an island and then they send in a bunch of sexy singles and then, you know, the alcohol flows. Try and split them the, up. Yeah. Um, so, but Seven is really pushing into this romance area, if you, romance area. Um, the proposal is also coming later this year, which appears to everybody as a cross between Married at First Sight and Blind Date. So Seven have obviously seen Married at First Sight, seen, you know, the incredible ratings boost it gave to Nine and the incredible success they've had off the back of it. Maybe the second half of the year will be bright for Seven. And of course, for the, they, they also like uh, Nine's Love Island and, and its oh, yes. streaming success. So, so I guess a dating show with the word island in was attractive <laughs> as well. Well, and it almost speaks to, um, there were the kind of those hints earlier, earlier in the year, there was a bit of talk about whether Married at First Sight might get its own island at the end of the year. Maybe now that Seven's got an island, we've already had Bachelor in Paradise, which took place on an island. Maybe there'll be more islands in the future. Franny, how do you feel about like the opportunity of those relationship reality shows? Uh, is it something your your advertisers have an appetite for? Uh, we haven't got a, a vision to own an island. Um, happy with Fox Hill and Oxford at the moment, but you never know what's around the corner. And that is it for this week. Before we go, I hope that it hasn't escaped your notice that Mumbrella 360 is imminent. It's now less than a fortnight away. We're so excited about the Mumbrella 360 programme this year, but I can't really sell it all to you here. There's just too much stuff. Although it is worth mentioning as we're chatting about TV that we do have a full stream of screen content uh, during the conference, and that includes me interviewing uh, Nine Boss Hugh Marks live on stage. So instead, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Go to mumbrella360.com.au and take a look at the programme. Make up your mind once you look at the programme. I think it will help you understand why we're not quite like other conferences. That is it from us for this week, though. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Tim. And thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you.